I am vengeance. I am the night. I should really see a therapist. Today on the Politipop Podcast. Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where we read between the lines of your favorite pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. Today's episode is a sexy collaboration involving myself and Mind Waves Talk Radio on WTS, the radio of Hunter College. In this episode, I had the pleasure of guest hosting on Mind Waves Talk, which is the show of one of my friends, Antonia Little. You may recognize her name from the credits of every single episode because she actually designed the logo for the Politipop podcast. A little bit about her, she is a psych major who is about to graduate with her bachelor's, so congratulations to her. And uh, she needed a co-host. And so she turned to the only person she knew she could trust, the only person she knew she could depend on, the one and the only, yes, you've guessed it, listeners, Mike Booch, right here in the flesh, or, you know, an audio waves going into your ears and stuff like that. Anyway, she said, listen, I want to have you on an episode, but I want to do something relating to psychology. What do you know that's related to psychology? And I said, well... Who better than the Dark Knight detective, Batman? There's so much to delve into with the psychology of this character, as there are with a lot of superheroes, but Batman is near and dear to my heart. So I set her out on the task of at least watching one of the Nolan movies, which she was able to accomplish, and uh, and she and I recorded an episode together for Mind Waves. So the following episode is going to be our little collaboration that we did for Mind Waves, and hopefully you enjoy it. Hi, everyone. This is Antonia Little with Mind Waves. My co-host, Gregory McClellan, is on vacation enjoying himself somewhere in paradise right about now. Um, I can't wait to see the pictures and hear the stories. Uh, but for this for this show, I have a friend of mine um, as a, I would say, guest slash co-host. My friend, Mike Booch, we met on the train of all places and have been friends since. And he has his own podcast. Would you like to talk about it? Uh, yeah, if you don't mind a little bit of a shameless plug. Thank no. you so much for having me on your show. I've listened to the episodes you put out. I've enjoyed them. It's great to be here. Uh, but yeah, less from a, a useful standpoint of uh, academia and psychology, my podcast takes pop culture and discusses all the social and political themes within. So we're talking TV shows, movies, comic books, songs, uh, other books, whatever it is, any sort, any sort of pop culture you can read between the lines. And it is known as the Politipop Podcast. You can find it on Podbean. You could find it on iTunes. And um, I think that's the only two places you could find it. We do have a few episodes on SoundCloud, but I'm no longer like big on that platform. 
right, great. And um, I was actually listening to your latest podcast episode, which was The Oz Effect. Yes, yes. And when I was thinking about it, I was like, I should have a guest to my show. Who should it be? And I'm like, oh, I feel like listening to a podcast today. I listened to it and I texted you before I even finished listening to it. I was like, Mike, I wonder if he'll do it. Good. I'm glad and the stars aligned. It did. It did. And then, um, of course, everyone knows that I always try to put a psych take spin on things. So when we were discussing topics, you came up with a great idea, which was? Well, everything with me always comes back to Batman. And I figured, you know, if we're talking about psychology and talking about uh, Batman, there's a lot to delve into. There was, doing the research um, for it, I actually, I didn't expect to find as much. There was actually more information that I, that I could even go over. <laughs> there, there was a lot on it and a lot of fans talking about it. I never realized, I mean, I do know that a lot of times movies and there's, you know, psychology and the writers, yes, the writers are clever enough to think of this and put it into their characters. But I feel like as a regular consumer of these films, a lot of the times we don't even think about what they're presenting to us. And then just digging a little bit into the psychology of Batman, I was like, wow, this is a thing. And then when people started pointing things out um, about it, I was just like, this is a really cool topic. Well, I'm, I'm glad you saw it like I did. Uh, yeah, the uh, yeah the idea of when whenever we take in entertainment and movies and everything like that is just, oh, this is so much fun. This is great. We love to watch popcorn, or as you like to call it, fluff, right? You, you love fluff things. You love things that are just there so you can watch it and don't have to think. But mm -hmm. when you look behind all of the action and everything, uh, the character of Batman is somebody who is still working through a lot of issues. And, uh, and it's something that he's kind of aware of. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about the research, obviously you were looking at, uh, like, uh, blog posts, articles, journals, uh, but also the movies. And I think the big, the big three are the Nolan trilogy, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises. And, uh, and were you able to, to, to get through all of them? I was not able to get through all of them. Um, I did finish watching in its entirety Batman Begins, though. And even within, even the characters kind of call each other out on the duality and are you doing this for yourself or are you doing this to avenge you? So the psychology is very much spoken about um, in a very more conversational layman way, but it's there, it's present, it's not exactly completely hiding under the surface. But no, I did not get to, uh, I've got to work on my uh, movie binge watching. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> I don't understand how people do marathons just because I have trouble sitting. The only reason why I usually sit through an entire movie when I go to a movie theater is because I'm at a movie theater. And you're obligated to kind of sit there. <laughs> to sit there. It's socially acceptable for you to sit there. And that's the only reason why. When I'm at home, I'm just like, I'll hear something just which we'll talk about, which I'll get to. Um, don't want to give it away yet. But there were a couple of points in the movie where I actually paused it because I heard something and I went, ooh, I have to look this up. Like, that's how I am with watching things. I like to stop. I like to look. I like to make little notes. So uh, marathons don't work well with me. Well, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I'm amazing at marathoning, but I do understand that when you're taking in something for uh, an actual purpose aside from entertainment, it does kind of take you out of it a bit. Like, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm doing research. I watched all three movies of the, the Nolan trilogy recently, uh, which puts me in a good place for this. 
Uh, but it was be for another episode that I'm doing for my own podcast, mm-hmm. the Politipop Podcast. And uh, <laughs> that, that was the last plug. That was the last plug I'm throwing <laughs> it's in there. totally fine. Maybe until the end, if you give me permission. Of course. Uh, but uh, but I was, and I kept find myself having to pause, having to look things up, look up articles, take notes, and that was uh for all three movies that was done. And I do the same thing with you know uh anything else I'm doing research for. So, uh, but but it it is cool because you kind of learn a lot that way. You go, oh, I had no idea, or or maybe you look at something a different way. When I you know I've watched these movies so many times, and every time I get something new out of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to, now I don't know how easy it will be, but I'm going to go back and watch Batman Begins and try to watch it without trying to call these things out. So it's it's definitely going to be a challenge because now I'm thinking about Batman. I don't know if I could watch Batman the same way ever again. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, well, you said your your favorite uh, Batman was uh, the 1989 Michael Keaton Batman, Yes, right? yes, and that was um, that was the first Batman I saw, and I saw it in the theater. Oh wow! In the yeah, theater. yeah, I was a little young, but <laughs> well, you must have been. Uh, I mean, now now I feel kind of a wait. What year? What year it came was out it again? Eighty nine. I was ten years old. Wow, really? Yeah. So you're ten years older than I am. I didn't I, know that because yeah. I was born that year. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, uh, if you go back and rewatch that movie mm-hmm. and with the looking through the lens of who is Batman uh, as a person, uh, you know, he he is like very very uh maladjusted socially i was gonna say weird but <laughs> but you know if, if we're looking at it from a from a more uh, critical standpoint analytical he he is maladjusted socially mm-hmm. there's the whole scene and after he and vicky vale are intimate with each other she looks over and he's just like hanging upside down <laughs> I it's been so long since I watched it I almost forgot about that that's right and they had this the this brilliant back and forth between him and the Joker at the end where he says oh you know you made me and uh and Batman's like you made me first like this whole idea of uh of trauma because in that movie it turns out that the Joker was the gangster who killed Batman's parents so it's different than the Batman Begins who the killer was of his parents yeah yeah okay in, in Batman Begins it was Joe Chill Right. See, just, this is what messes me up with comic books. Like, I have trouble... <laughs> and it's not even a comic book, rather. It's it's based on the character. But I know... And I mean, I guess it's fun because um, you get to kind of reinvent um, the character a little bit each time and make it different and maybe add something that was missing the first time around that you think would be an interesting addition to the character. But I do forget that the Joker was the guy in that one. Well, that is the cool thing about taking uh, all these different icons and being able to reimagine them because uh, the Dark Knight trilogy took a lot of things about Batman and changed them. Like a lot of the characters, uh, including Batman himself, weren't the same. Uh, But, you know, the lore of who is the one that killed his parents, I think is very interesting to go into because in the 89 movie, it was the Joker who was, uh, you know, he was just a gangster at the time and he killed Bruce's parents because they were just there. In Batman Begins, it's a little bit more of a social uh, statement because Joe Chill, he doesn't kill them out of anger or revenge or anything. He kills them because he's desperate, because of the economic circumstances within Gotham. But in the comic books, which once again, they get reinvented a lot too. They get rebooted. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in the comic books, he never finds out who killed his parents. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so every night he goes out there and he's fighting crime, in his mind, 
that could be any the one. of these criminals could have been the ones that killed his parents yeah and so he fights like they are oh wow i did not know that yeah so, so much to learn <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot i needed know. a new obsession thank you oh you're welcome <laughs> you're welcome that was uh that was my favorite i actually didn't really get into him until i was 18 years old it, it took me uh it took me a long time i never really liked him as a kid i was always the fan of robin Oh, okay. Yeah, he was the one that I really connected with because, you know, we were both young. That makes sense. That makes sense. So what was it? Can you remember what got you intrigued by Batman when you were 18? Yeah, uh, one of my friends was really into it. And I think he was into it more from a film perspective because Batman Begins had just come out. And um, and I hadn't really had an upbringing that introduced me to things like ethics and morals I just took things in for entertainment. I, it never really occurred to me that if somebody goes off to fight a war or uh, goes to fight a fire or something, that that may be the last time they're coming back. And uh, and the, the Batman Begins was the first one to introduce me to that idea of just doing good because it's the right thing to do, not because there's any return. Because you'll remember mm-hmm. at the end of Batman Begins, after everything has gone down, Gordon, the one good cop left in the Gotham City Police Department... Uh, he says to Batman, oh, by the way, I never said thank you. And Batman turns around. He goes, you'll never have to. I loved that line. Because he's not doing this for any sense of uh, gratitude or reward. I mean, it is more of an internal reward, which maybe we can go into later. But uh, he's doing it because it feel, he feels it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and I feel uh, I it's because I know some of the characters... Um, we're talking about because I know Alfred at one point too was questioning him. Um, you know, I think Alfred at first, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. It seemed like Alfred at first was really kind of just um, assuming that he was thrill seeking, not realizing that. Uh, I think he was. I don't know. I don't know if it's right to say he was trusting his sincerity, but um, more his "what's your angle" kind of like. Are you just partying? Are you forgetting that? You know. I know he was teaching him at the same time all this is going on. Don't forget your facade because otherwise people are going to figure something's going on. And he did support him. But then he started questioning going that thrill seeking. He could have killed people. And it's like, you don't understand this person could have died. Well, yeah. Uh, and Alfred is, is such a great character all throughout the lore. He's always been one of the best uh, just because he kind of comes from the, the same place that we are coming from the standard person who sees all this happening and is like, what are you doing? Uh, but yeah, he, uh, throughout the trilogy, he still is kind of that person. I think Mm -hmm. Alfred became Bruce's parent, whether either of them wanted it or not is a different story. But after Bruce's parents died, Alfred raised him. Mm -hmm. And, and in the dark night, the beginning, uh, you know, Bruce comes back from this, uh, you know, from busting up one of Scarecrow's things, and he was attacked by a dog, and Alfred has to stitch him up and everything, and uh, and Batman, you know, Bruce is talking about all the great stuff he's doing for Gotham, and he's really happy about it, but he turns around to put on a shirt, and he's just bruised, and he's scarred, and Alfred sees that, and he just says, know your limits, Master Wayne, hmm. and he says, Batman has no limits, and he goes, yes, but you do. And, right. Yeah, and that's um, you know that that is, that is a really good moment, and it kind of evolves from there as well. He just says, "Oh, well, listen, don't thrill seek," and then it goes to, 
look out for yourself, watch out. And then in the third movie, the movie starts off with uh, Batman. He's been Batman's been gone for eight years. Bruce has been holed up in his house. He's been growing a gross depression beard, and he hasn't done anything. And uh, you know, Alfred finally tells him. He says, you know, I, I, you have to do something with your life. And he goes, listen, I did what I had to do. And he goes, no, not as Batman. When you were gone overseas, I never wanted you to come back. I wanted you to go out there and live your own life and escape this. Because I knew if you came back to Gotham, it was going to be nothing but bad for you. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, and that's kind of the whole idea. And eventually he even leaves Bruce because of it. And he says, listen, I can't watch you kill yourself. So... Whereas, um, and I think that, um, that just makes me think of just in real life. It's like, you don't want to abandon people that need you, but at a certain point, if they're not going to seek help or help themselves, they end up hurting you and you have to walk away for yourself. So that's what kind of came to mind when you just said that. Well, absolutely. Because like Batman is a coping mechanism for Bruce and it's an addiction to him. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, through and through, just like we in real life have our own addictions and our own coping mechanisms, which in many ways can be the same thing. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't know how to live without him. And it's been explored in a lot of comic books, too, where he, he gets older and he quits and things are going bad in Gotham. And in and in his head, he actually hears the voice of Batman saying, you need me, you're weak, you you know, like, so it, it is very much an ex... Um, in an addiction for him. And, um, you know, since, you know, we're, part of what we had discussed before we did the show was the fact that, you know, Batman is really in Bruce Wayne. He's he's dealing with childhood trauma because this all happened as a child. So what it comes down to is it's the childhood trauma that he's battling. And, um, you know, looking at um, some information on how trauma manifests itself in adulthood one of them is projecting a false self so that fits perfectly with that but there's also um something i wanted to mention there was a quote that's actually from alfred before we stop talking about alfred um that you know i don't know you could tell me if they repeat it in the other um, of the trilogies, yeah. but I know Alfred that why do we fall so we can learn to pick ourselves up? And every time he wants to give up, I remember either he recalled it in a memory or towards the end of the first film. And by the way, spoiler alerts, everyone, sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, kind of forgot to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been six years since the last movie came out. So by this point, you know, it's kind of. Uh, you've had your time to yeah. watch it. Um, so at the end, when he's about to give up in Alfred, because it was, it was, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't it in the mansion? He was yeah. in the mansion he, and it had been burning down and he wasn't sure if he was going to get up that he couldn't do it anymore. And then that was the last time in the film that I remember Alfred saying it. And I wound up stopping to look up the quote because I was just like oh this is so this could be good for anybody to remember why do we fall so we can learn to pick ourselves up I just thought that was so huge well yeah absolutely uh and he I don't think he says it later on in the movies but it does come up because the beginning of the movie Bruce fell into that into that cavern Mm -hmm. and his father was the one to be there for him Okay. And he says, why do we fall? So we can learn to pick ourselves back up. And then later, Alfred repeats the same thing to mm-hmm. him. Uh, but I think Bruce is actually just using Batman to bring himself up. And he never really crawled out of that cavern. 
Right. You know, from an emotional and mental standpoint. And in the third movie, the big thing that happens is he come, you know, he comes back and and he's ready to 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 fight and kick some butt. And this new bad guy, Bane, he destroys him. He breaks his back and he throws him in a prison that's below ground. And the only way to get out of the prison is to climb out. But nobody has ever been able to do it. Like they all have these ropes that are there. Uh, you know, that they tie around their waist and they try to, to, you know, to make the climb. And they always make this leap to the one ledge that if they make it to that ledge, they've got it. But they always fall short and the rope snaps them back and they fall. So that is the big theme where with Bruce is that he doesn't he doesn't learn how to be physically stronger you know he st- he heals up and he starts you know doing push-ups and pull-ups and all the people that are in the prison are like what are you doing he goes well my body is strong my body makes the jump and uh and they said no you have to make the climb you know be it says fear is why you fail and he says i'm not afraid of dying and he goes no that's that's the point because fear is the impulse that keeps you living Fear is the only way that you can fight right. longer than possible. Fear is the only reason you're able to drive. I'm getting chills talking about it. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, fear is the only reason why you're able to 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 do um, inhuman things to survive. And uh, so, Batman Bruce he ends up having to make the climb without the rope. So in this case, it's not his father's not pulling him up from that prison, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have the rope either because a lot of us, when we're suffering from things like let's say addiction, for example, we always provide ourselves some sort of safety net. Mm -hmm. Uh, with me, um, it was always, uh, relationships. I was in an on and off relationship with the same girl for seven years. And every time I tried to move on, I was out of my comfort zone. And I said, you know what, this isn't going to work. So I ended up going back to her and, um, and I think it was the same way for her to me. We just knew each other very well, even though um, I wasn't good for her by any means. I was a terrible boyfriend. And uh, and I don't think she was good for me either. She reminded me of who I was when I was young. Um, and I needed to become more than that. So sure enough, Bruce has that moment where the rope is no longer on him. And if he misses that ledge, it's death for him. Sure enough, he makes the leap. He's able to climb out. And he gains a strength, not necessarily a physical strength, but he gains a strength that he didn't have before. Like a mental resilience. Exactly. And at the end, sure enough, he fights Bane and he beats him, blah, 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 you know, superhero stuff. Uh, but Bane says, like, how? You know, how are you doing this? I broke you. And he says, you know, you think you were the only one who was able to have the strength to escape the prison. Like, that was what, uh, yeah, that was... It gave him something else. I'm never going to be able to watch these movies <laughs> without thinking about all of this now, but it's great. No, I think it's um, just the depth of these characters and the symbolism behind all of them. It really is quite... Um, it's it's enlightening, actually. Well, yeah. I, uh, the thing is, and the reason why I have my own podcast really is because people think of these things and they think, oh, these are kids' things, but... Uh, no, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean they're written. They're written by adults, and there are these themes that are in there. And some of the stuff may be um, very much, very much for kids. Disney films in general, you know, they're mm-hmm. you know they're supposed to be for kids. But every Disney film starts off with some sort of tragedy. I don't know what it was that Walt Disney uh, 
had a problem with with mothers, but if you'll notice that most Disney films start off with the mother dying. Maybe not so much recently, but mm-hmm. like, you know, most of the main characters in Disney films are orphans. I never quite thought about that before. Does uh Cinderella have parents? Well, don't Okay, well, a lot of the Disney films, like Cinderella and stuff, although they're very different, were based on fairy tales by the Grimm's brothers. Yes, yes, you know? you're actually, you're Which very were right. very, 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 very brutal. Yeah, the Grimm fairy they, tales. They, they were not for children. Talking about things not really being for children and being marketed under fairy tales, I mean, they were made to set examples and scare kids, essentially. Disney definitely made it a lot cuter. <laughs> yes. Um... But good point. I never quite thought about that. Yeah, Cinderella now uh, lost her mother. The for her, she wanted her father to be happy. Never complained about him remarrying because she saw it as her father being happy. And then he gets killed. And then for all this niceness, she gets stuck with these uh, dimwits that mm, abuse her. That abuse her, Bambi. Oh man! The beginning of the Bambi. film. Oh, <laughs> Finding Nemo. Oh. I didn't <laughs> see Finding Nemo. Oh well. Spoiler alert. Not really. It's at the beginning of the film. His mom dies. Oh. <laughs> it's up to his single but father. But is that Disney? Is it Disney? Uh, Pixar? I think it might be Disney and Pixar, yeah. Okay. Well, see, now, this, this, if you'd ever like to return, I say we do a show on Disney. Oh, that would be great. I would love it. Disney and <laughs> these fairy tales and how they're not fairy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Yeah, but, uh, but moving on. So, so, yeah, a lot of these things that we do take in, if we look at the themes... Uh, they are more mature, and there is more behind them. There are several layers behind them. When I was watching, there was something I wanted to mention. Um, when I was watching the movie with Dr. Crane, and now I can't remember. What's the name of the asylum in the Batman series? Arkham Asylum. Arkham Asylum. And this doctor who is... He's clearly... He's working for the bad guy, but we're not quite sure... At first, I thought he was the bad guy. I mean, he is a bad guy. But he's not the mastermind behind. He was a pawn. Yeah, he has this whole uh, this whole racket where he's working to get uh, mob hitmen out of prison and avoiding actual incarceration by saying, oh, they're insane. He's pleading the insanity plea for them and getting them put into Arkham Asylum where he can take care of them his way, even if they may not be, quote unquote, insane. Got it. And there is one in why my first shame on me. I'm forgetting Batman's girlfriend's name in this series. Or not uh, girlfriend, love interest, child yes, love she interest. Never, she never actually becomes as girlfriend. Yeah, no, never does. Yeah. So uh, I would say the romantic Yeah, you could, say, you could say the love interest. She's never in the comics. Rachel Dawes, okay. uh, district attorney, or um, she is a lawyer, but she doesn't end up making it to the role of district attorney. Assistant DA, uh, Rachel film. Dawes. Yeah, she... Uh, she goes to investigate the crime boss, Carmine Falcone, mm-hmm. and why has he been moved from the prison, from Blackgate Penitentiary, to Arkham Asylum? And, you know, she doesn't know that he was hit with this fear gas by Dr. Crane. And she's in this in the scene that I'm about to talk about. She's in the asylum, you know, checking up on this guy that, you know, she doesn't want him getting off easy, basically. Um, which I don't know if you could ever call an asylum getting off easy. But um, I mean, it dep- the way they make him out in Arkham Asylum, or actually most, because unfortunately care for the mentally ill is nowhere near up to par or where no. it should be. So, yeah, an asylum... It's getting better. It's getting better, but it, it's it's still... Still got a long way to go. Yeah. yeah. There's... Yeah. Um, but I also... There, there are very good doctors and hospitals out there, and things are improving, so I don't want anyone to 
know. But Arkham Asylum is but not. But Arkham one Asylum of them. is yeah. not. It's this a fictional. fictional <laughs> it is a fictional disastrous place. Um, thank God it's fictional. Yeah, luckily. So this character is talking to Rachel. And this is Dr. Crane, and I stopped the movie for this one. This is exactly why, like, this is why I couldn't sit through a marathon of all three, like, moments like this. So he's there talking, and um, he, Dr. Crane says to her, patients suffering delusional episodes often focus their paranoia on an external tormentor, usually one conforming to Jungian archetypes, in this case, a scarecrow. And I was like, pause. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, I have to look into this one. And I did, um, I, I did, I googled, all I had to do was google Crane and Scarecrow and archetype, and it brought up um, a blog post, right? Yeah, a blog post. Um, and then I wound up um, also looking into Jungian archetypes because I was like, Scarecrow? No, there's no Scarecrow. Because like, I, I know that Jung talked about these archetypes, but I wasn't familiar with all of them, so I didn't know if I was missing something or not. Carl Jung, for those of you who, for whatever reason, might not be familiar with Right, Psychology. Carl Jung. Yeah. He is, um, he initially, uh, he's a psychoanalyst that initially worked with Freud, um, they had some difference of opinions, to put it lightly, at one point and went their separate <laughs> ways. Um, and uh, Jung had kind of expanded upon us. Um, Jung had moved away from just the ego and it and the subconscious and also believes in, and I'm still learning about Jung, so Dick, bear with me. Yeah. Um, but one of the main differences, which is easier for me to say, is that he also believed in you You, you have the self-conscious, you've got the, and I think I said that wrong, uh, collective unconscious, which I don't know if you've ever heard about that. I had an intro to psych class, which I really enjoyed, so I heard a little bit about they that. They didn't go, intro to psych courses usually kind of skim over a lot yeah. of it, because so they very... have so much information to cover in an intro. Yeah, it was abridged. Um, but the collective unconscious is kind of like this understanding we're, we're not having, we're not actively communicating with people in this collective unconscious, but there seems to be like this like understanding of things in humanity and how people are that's kind of, I guess, in a way you could say is innate in us, um, like, yeah, collective unconscious. It's like collected information and knowledge. Um, and then he also believes in the archetypes, and um, I'm not going to do this justice, but basically these different archetypes, um, you know, you can't always necessarily fight them, and I think it's called individuation. Um, you can always provide corrections. Yeah, I could always, yeah, yeah, I could always give show notes. Um, but anyway, basically, you know, Basically, it's about learning how to work with these archetypes and aspects of ourselves. So I think that's probably the the most basic way I could explain it is that we have these archetypes and we're, we have to learn how to work with them. Well, yeah, you know, I think the idea is that you have to be very meta about yourself. And uh, I know that in uh, social work and psychological practices, the term meta is something a little different. But I mean it as far as like you know, a character like Deadpool, he knows he's a comic book character. So that's meta to me. So I think, you know, being self-aware mm-hmm. is is very important in how we work with our own archetypes. Mm-hmm. So um, stepping away from the, the technical of Jung, um, there wasn't actually a scarecrow, um, but it was representational of the shadow archetype, which um, a blog that I came across that I really wanted to mention because I 
I don't know enough about Batman or the archetypes to have this conversation, but I think it's definitely a blog of note, especially since we're talking about this. And um, I will post a link on the Mindwaves Facebook page. Um, and the main page for the blogspot um, is thebecoming.blogspot.com. Um, it's this um, guy, I think he's, according to his bio, he's based out of India. He's a student. And this is just, I guess, something he does for fun. The bio didn't really go into much detail, but he gives a breakdown, which I think is really quite brilliant and interesting. The Dark Knight Rises, an interpretation along the Jungian process of individuation. So I did actually get the word right. Look at that. So he breaks it down into you've got the ego persona, which is what I was kind of forgetting before. Um, and clearly and that's, that's Batman. Batman. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's Batman, Bruce Wayne. He talks about it as in who made who did Batman. Like you, I think it was kind of almost like a what came first, the chicken or the egg kind of discussion of like yes. who was who first. Um, then you've got the archetype of the abandoned child, which he he's talking about it in this blog, but he didn't name a particular character. It's kind of so more there's not about, a character that references it. Okay. No, he. He gives examples of different characters. So, um, but then he talks about the shadow. Now, in the movie, uh, in Batman Begins, uh, the Scarecrow, Dr. Crane, the Scarecrow mentions it as an archetype, but that was really representational of the shadow, which in this blog post, they're using Bane as the shadow. And it's such a great blog post. I really hope you check it out. Um, then you've got the other archetypes. I'm not going to go into every single one because you could check out the blog, but there's the anima. You've got the wise old man, Alfred, that one I have to yep. say. The dark mother. You've got the trickster. You've got the unindividuated ego the eternal child, and I know we'll go back to that one, the self. Oh, yes. And he also, on this blog post, has some personal notes. So I really, this was such a great find. And um, again, it's thebecoming.blogspot.com. It looks like it's a post from 2012, and it is about the Dark Knight Rises interpretation. And I will, again, um, post a link for this. But something had struck you that you wanted to talk about, about this post. Yeah, so uh, this, this moment... Uh, I was actually looking through it because you gave me the notes beforehand and uh, I had the eternal child as a theme and I, I didn't even know that well I didn't know that any of these were really archetypes uh, but there are two notes one I believe that Batman he could also he could he could cross multiple realms here but a big one I think he is the eternal child uh, because he once he sees his parents get shot in front of him at eight years old he ceases to develop Physically, he develops. Mentally, he develops. He goes around the world. He becomes a master detective. He learns everything he can uh, physically, mentally, but he never emotionally develops. Mm -hmm. He never, uh, in, even in Batman Begins, he tells Rachel, I don't have the luxury of friends. Like, he never wants to let anyone get close to him ever again. And in the comic books, it's a lot more prevalent because... In his Batcave, he has trophies from all the villains he's ever he's ever defeated. All of his adventures, uh, he'll have them all displayed, uh, and and he has like a huge robotic Tyrannosaurus Rex, and he has all these decorations, and he has all these fast cars and all these cool costumes. Collecting the toys. Exactly, and when you really look at it, you see that anything he's if he really wanted 
to fix the system and really wanted to preserve justice, he would do it as a philanthropist. He would uh, take control of his company and and help uh, make sure that the police force is not corrupt and give them mm-hmm. better tools with which to fight uh, supervillains and everything like that. That's that's what he would do. But instead, but do you think though? I hope you don't mind me stopping you on that all, thought. Um, but I I think it was kind of a, a I feel like from watching Batman Begins, his father tried to take the route from. I mean. Unless I'm missing something, I feel like that his father was trying to use money to fix the city, but it just didn't pan out. In a way, he did, but I think he was doing it at a lower level because his father was actually a surgeon. Oh, and, I didn't uh, catch that part. Yeah, okay. um, well, if like I said, in the comics, they go more into mm-hmm. it. His father was a surgeon, uh, but he tells Bruce when they're on the train together, he says, uh, he says, I leave, he goes, I work in the hospital where I'm needed. I leave the running of our company to much better men. And he goes, better? And he goes, well, more interested men. So he doesn't want the business aspect of it. And similar to Bruce in The Dark Knight, he's passed out during a meeting. Um, and uh, and his company loses all of its shares when it goes public and The Dark Knight Rises. He doesn't care about Wayne Industries. Uh, yeah, he didn't put up much of a fight when the guy said, well, the wheels are already spinning. And it's kind of hard to stop it at this point where I was kind of like, why aren't you standing up to him now going, no, 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 this is, I'm alive. This is my father's company. And I was actually wondering about that, how he just kind of, and I mean, in now what we're talking about, it makes sense. He just, he didn't care. He wasn't going to put up a fight for it at that point. No, he decided to use it. He decided to embezzle. He used, a, he used Lucius Fox in the R&D department to get all of the money, to get all of the cool science stuff so he could use it to fight crime. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, wow, if we're developing body armor, why aren't we giving it to the army? Why aren't we giving it to police officers to, so that way they don't die on the streets and stuff like that? He didn't think about that. He'd rather take time shaping all of his little shurikens, uh, ninja stars for the layman, mm-hmm. uh, into, uh, into bats so he could throw them at people. Everything is branded. He has the bat cycle, the bat copter, the bat mobile. The I mean, and he the bat mobile. I remember saying, "Does it come in black?" Exactly. He wanted it to be his own sort of brand. Um, I mean, the thing is camouflage in the first place. It's meant not to be seen, but he wanted it to be in black. He wanted it to be that way for him, uh, and that's and that's kind of who he is. Uh, and uh, and you know, he's obviously a great mind, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that he is perfect. Well, he's fallible. Yes, exactly. And there's actually this great moment. I'm not sure if you got to check the link that I sent you, but there's this great moment in one of the animated movies where uh, the Joker finds out who Batman really is. And he tells him, he says, you know, I have to admit, this is all really anticlimactic. That underneath all the stern and batarangs, you're just a little boy in a play suit crying for mommy and daddy. Oh, shoot. Yeah, and Batman loses his mind on him for saying that. Uh but I guess the reason why I'm able to see all the stuff about Batman is because, like I said, when we deal with our own archetypes, I am very much the same way. Uh, currently, uh, we're not in your awesome school studio, but we're in my home studio. And if you look around, you see posters, you see action figures, you see comic books, you see um, video games, uh, which video games are for everyone. But I do tend to make a point of I have more action figures and comics now than I did when I was a kid. Uh, on a personal note, my father and I were evicted from our apartment at 15 years old. Oh, well, I was 15 years old. He was an adult. My father and I were evicted from our apartment when I was 15 years old. And I went to live with a bunch of different people. But 
all of our stuff was put in storage. And then when he couldn't pay, it was all sold into storage. How heartbreaking. Yes. So I lost all of my I mean, the whole thing is heartbreaking, but then you don't even have your stuff. You can't even get your stuff back. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, you know, I I was about to say I'm over it, but like in a lot of ways, I'm not. Like I, uh, you know, I had, I used to play this great card game uh, called Yu-Gi-Oh! And uh, it's still around today, it turns out, because I've gotten back into it. But the deck that I had worked on in this card game was, like, I'd worked on it for such a long time, and then it was just sold in storage, and I lost all of those cards. So I've begun recollecting, like, everything mm-hmm. that I've ever lost as a kid so I could have it. Uh, so I see that eternal child. In the dark. In the article, he relates the Dark Knight, uh, about the, in the blog post about the Dark Knight Rises, he relates the eternal child to uh, John Blake, uh, the, the rookie cop who, who, uh, who still holds on to his ideals that he had when he was a kid. Uh, but... You know, for me, on a personal level, there were a lot of ways in, in which I just never got to grow up because I had to grow up fast. So I think, like, you know, I've just got, been going back trying to reclaim my childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know, I can I can be very self-aware about it, but that doesn't change the fact that, you know, I'd rather... You know, I'd, I'd rather stay in and play video games or, or read a comic book than go out and do... I don't know, quote unquote adult things. Then again, adult things is like what going to a football game where you're literally watching people play a game. So yeah, it's it's, it's all relative. <laughs> I mean, there's no such thing as normal. There's no such thing as uh, so. Many, I mean, that's something you enjoy. I mean, I, I think usually the rule of thumb is with any sort of hobby or thing you're into, is it distressing you? Is it becoming a problem? Is it interfering? Is it hurting someone else? Is it distressing? You know, is it harmful to you or others? Like, um, that's where a hobby can become um, an obsession that could possibly, I'm not saying it definitely does. Um, That's the only time really one has to worry about it. But if comic books are your thing and you're not hurting anyone and you're not putting yourself into debt for it or family into debt or you get what i'm trying to say yes, absolutely. if you're not being harmed by it enjoy it that's your that's your sports game well yeah if you're being responsible because, yeah you know a lot of people do say that that well one i've seen a bunch of guys come in uh, my girlfriend's friends you know during housewarming parties and stuff and they're all you know like married and stuff like that or my girlfriend my girlfriend's friends boyfriends and husbands and they'll be they'll come down and see like i have all these action figures up i have all my comic books i have everything on display like i, I put a lot of pride into this area because i never really got to have uh, my own room either mm-hmm. uh and they'll go like wow man this is so cool i wish i had one of these <laughs> you know like but you know would you equate it with your version of a man cave oh yes absolutely except i don't like the term man cave but i do call it my cave because batman has a bat cave which you know <laughs> brings it around full circle he has his own area that he he has a whole mansion to gallivant and and instead of partying up in the in the foyer he'll choose to go down into his cold and disgusting dank cave uh, just so he can be on his computer the whole time. Everybody's got their thing, even superheroes. Yes, absolutely. Now, uh, you didn't get to see the end of the, or probably the beginning of The Dark Knight Rises, right? No, so. Well, um, well, it it goes to show that, I mean, he can still be considered that eternal child because at the very end of the movie, he's in a situation where this bomb is about to go off in Gotham and there's no way to defuse it. So he says, I'm going to take it in my super cool bat plane. And I'm going to fly it out over the bay. And they go, what? You're going to use autopilot? He goes, there is no autopilot on this. So it's a one-way trip. And Gordon, uh, Commissioner Gordon's there at the end of all things. And he says, he says, listen, I never cared who you were before. And Batman goes, you were right. 
you shouldn't have because he's just Batman. And he says, but won't shouldn't people know who saved them? Doesn't it matter what your name is? And he turns to him and he says, a hero can be anyone. Even someone doing something as simple as putting a coat around a little boy's shoulders to let him know the world hadn't ended. That's beautiful. Which, in Batman Begins, that's exactly what Gordon does to Bruce. Yeah. And it just shows that he's kind of been stuck in that moment his whole life. That he never really did get to become Bruce Wayne. Um, his childhood really did end. It did. and he you know, um, With his parents' death. Absolutely. And it does. it happens to a lot of us. I know I'm not the only one. Sometimes we're just put in places where we have to grow up very fast. Uh, and that, you know, one of my best friends that happened to him too, his father, uh, left his family at a young age. So that's my friend, his little brother and his mother and, um, and his mother had to go out and work. So he, he had to sacrifice a lot. He didn't get to go out with his friends all the time and, and have a good time with us or, or live as a, a, the typical teenage life Mm -hmm. either, because he was always there taking care of his brother. And he actually has a very similar setup to what I have. Uh, because also, they str- they struggled financially, so a lot of the stuff that he loved, a lot of his video games and stuff was sold. So that way they could afford to put food on the table. Um, you know, so, so a lot of us, we do lose that childhood when we are young. And in my opinion, I think it was just kind of put on hold. You know, now I'm in a place where I can actually, you know, live that and appreciate all of that stuff. Um, and, you know, be able to have it under my control. I don't have to worry about someone coming to sell my things, you know? So uh, what I'm trying to say is I'm Batman. You're Batman. (laughs) This is his, uh, alternate identity. Yes. (laughs) Your secret is out. Yes. Except without the abs. I'm Batman. (laughs) Abs and all the money, you know? Uh, But otherwise you're Batman. Yes. Um, I mean, uh, one thing I do now that we're, we're talking about this and, um, I don't want to, um, forget to mention this, but just a disclaimer, um, I didn't say in the beginning, so I'll say it now. I am not a mental health professional. I know we're talking about trauma now and I said some things about whether something's distressing or not. I'm not a professional. I'm just a student. Um, I'm still learning, um, and if there's something, if you're in immediate danger, call 911. If you need to go to an ER, um, if you feel you need help with anything, go to a mental health professional. Anything I say is for entertainment purposes only. And there are two phone numbers that I could mention. Um, one is the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, it's 1-800-799-7233. And um, then there's another one. Um, this one has to do with um, child abuse. It's and this is another national hotline. It's one eight hundred four two two four four five three. And um, yeah, so reach out to them if you need to. And again, this is all for entertainment purposes only. And now that I've um, mentioned that. Uh, Of course, one of the things I looked into, we mentioned it before, was how trauma um, manifests itself um, in adulthood. And what's interesting is 
Um, there was an ACEs study done, um, adverse childhood experience, I believe. I could always correct myself later on the website, um, Facebook page rather. Um, but what they found doing this study is that trauma isn't always, I, I feel like we know better now, we know more now, but people kind of thought that trauma was only if you were you, like, beaten to a pulp by your parents was that abuse only you know if you're sexually molested was that traumatic but trauma comes in many forms especially to a child that oh, might yeah. not understand what's going on so never you know if something happened that's affecting you take it very seriously um and seek help um because what they found in this study that divorces were enough for children, depending on the age and their level of understanding of the situation, could be very traumatic. Um, abuse could also be emotional neglect. You may not, you know, you may not get, you may not be being beaten, but if your parents aren't, or your parental figure in your life isn't supportive emotionally, that can be traumatic to a child too. So it really, um, and PTSD, um, I know there's more and more about it now, um, manifests itself in adulthood, and it could be from a trauma. You don't have to, there's a misunderstanding, um, I think, with PTSD, um, where people think that it's only for soldiers and cops and people that have been to war. Um, but PTSD could manifest itself just from a childhood trauma, anything yeah. that was traumatic. So there's a lot more and it, it's going across. Um, there was a, um, a psychologist and a, someone, again, a name I'll have to post, but they were finding that the trauma, and this may be a little bit of a repeat, but it goes across class lines. Oh, absolutely. It goes across like you could be, um, you could have a upbringing in a wealthy home and still have a traumatic experience as a child and it can still manifest itself Meaning that anyone can be a victim of childhood trauma. It doesn't matter whether you're wealthy. Of course, now, are there increased levels of violence statistically in um, lower income situations? I believe so. I can double check and fact check myself. But even if you're wealthy, you still, you could still fall victim to this. Well, I mean, and bring, I'll bring it right back around, right? Even Batman. Is somebody yeah. that, you know, was incredibly wealthy. He had everything he ever wanted except for his parents. And you see the, th the same thing with addiction, right? Mm -hmm. The only difference is how we respond to it. A addiction happens a lot in low, uh, lower class communities, but you'll also see that it's happening now in higher, uh, upper class communities mm -hmm. too. The heroin epidemic on Long Island is out of control. And it, the opioid epidemic is what people call it. And that's been, uh, you know, that's been a huge thing. The only difference is how people observe it. People say, oh, the poor kids on Long Island. But when crack was in the black community, they say, oh, well, that's just, you know, that's their fault, um, which is a whole other podcast. That's a whole, yeah, that's a but, whole other um, discussion how know. people, because someone had posted something and I won't go into it, but it was a very, very, <laughs> very similar story. But the only difference was, is the woman was white. So she got a slap on the wrist, essentially. But if, if it had happened to a person of color, they would have criminalized yeah. the mother and the um, parent. In a way, it kind of is calming, though, and reassuring to know that 
we may have so many things that are different about us, but any of us can have these shared experiences. And it's so important. Well, we're all just, human beings. Yeah, to just recognize it and to talk about it. We have the same needs. If you get a part, if you take material out of it, we all have the same needs. We want to have that family unit, whatever form it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, a parental figure in your life, even if it's not biological. Um, the supportive uncle, you know, just, um, so we all have these same emotional needs, no matter who we are. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, if, if you or anyone else ever wants to go more into the Batman lore or even discuss it, you know, with me, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at I X B O O C H X I. That's at I X Booch X I. And I, I love talking about this stuff uh, because, you know, the movies are the tip of the iceberg. But the but the all the cartoons and the comics and everything that really go into how, you know, he has a, he ends up having like seven different Robins. You know, there's Batgirl, there's even Ace the Bat Hound. Like he has a whole bat family and he searches. I never knew about the Bat Hound. <sighs> yeah. The, I mean, that was an er, a much earlier thing. They bring it later on in the to make it like kind of realistic and cool. When Bruce gets old, he has a dog that is there with him but in the comics that was ace the bat hound <laughs> yeah it's very corny but um but you know I even you know even with somebody who lost his family and says he doesn't have the luxury of friends he still develops his own family around him mm-hmm. most of them are also orphans so, right in a way right. he kind of takes his because robin too right wasn't robin someone? yes dick grayson's parents were killed uh when the mafia sabotaged one of their circus tricks right yeah. they were acrobats yeah exactly another one was a street uh a street rat whose uh parents had been killed um earlier on so he was living on his own uh you know the the third one was uh his his mother had been killed he was living with his father who was disabled and you know, needed something else to kind of help him be a better person. So in his own way, Batman really, you know, like a lot of people in the helping fields today and human services fields do, uh, help take their own trauma and turn it into something good. Use it as a tool to help others. Yes. And that's exactly uh, what Batman is all about. And I think that's something that we can all take from that too, is that, uh, you know, is that we fall so we can learn to pick ourselves back up. And if you can't pick yourself back up, that doesn't mean that you're not strong. It's okay to have those moments of weakness. And have someone help you but get it is, back up. It's absolutely okay to have someone to help you get back up. And then one day, you might be the, someone else's Batman. You could help pick somebody else up. And that's, you know, that's really what's what's important. I think that's the lesson to be gleaned from Batman. It's not just, you know, I may be that eternal child, but... I'm able to recognize it and I'm able to, uh, to, to give back and help others in my own ways now that I know, or I'm able to prevent those cycles from being, uh, from being repeated. The cycles that have been going through my family for years, they can stop with me. That's essentially, you know, I, I, that's essentially one of my goals too, is just that changes with me. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much. And of course, we ran out of time. I kind of had a feeling we'd run out of time. Um, So again, everyone, um, my guest slash co-host for today's show. Don't don't sweat it. Oh, you're the the hostess. hostess. (laughs) I'm working on it. And I'm learning. I'm learning every show. I learn more. Um, Mike Booch is his name. His podcast is Politipop. Yes, the Politipop podcast. And... 
you said it was iTunes and what was the other one? Uh, Just kind of yeah, so everyone knows where on, to check it out. Yeah, on Apple Podcasts uh, and Podbean, which is a nice little app that you can download and listen to a bunch of podcasts. Mine being one of them. Awesome. Thanks so much for doing this. It's It's been a pleasure. Again, thank you for listening. Um, this is Mind Waves with Antonia Little on WHCS, the radio of Hunter College. And we are on Mondays, 6 p.m. Eastern. Thank you all for tuning in and listening. I will talk to you next week. And so that concludes the collaboration of Antonia Little and Mike Booch on Mind Waves Talk and the Psychology of Batman. I will admit, things got a little bit deep. Things got a little bit raw. I had to access a lot of emotions that I hadn't faced in a long time. But if I can do it, you can do it too. Hopefully next time you watch a Batman movie or a Batman cartoon or read a Batman book or comic book, you might think a little bit differently about the character now. And you should be doing that with every single bit of media you take in. Always look at the characters. Think of how you would react if you were them. Think of what makes them do what they do. Because the cool thing about our heroes isn't that they're perfect. It's that they're fallible and still choose to be the hero regardless. Just like each of us can choose to do every day. So remember, listeners, no matter what you're taking in, no matter what you're seeing, listening, reading, whatever it is, always remember to never stop thinking, never stop learning, and read between the lines. The Politipop Podcast is recorded before no studio audience and is written and produced by Mike Booch. Special thanks to Antonia Little for logo design. Reach out to us on Twitter at Pod. Send your thoughts and suggestions to politipopcast at gmail.com and check our show notes and sources out by visiting politipoppodcast.wordpress.com. Man, that's a mouthful. Lastly, rate and review us on iTunes to let us know what you think of the show. As a special thanks for listening, stick around for some post-credit outtakes.